Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. This has been a busy and banging weekend here in town. If you drove through Fairmount, good luck finding a parking spot, huh? Um, I couldn't even park at my own house. I had to park on the side of the road. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was cool to see how much was going on here this weekend. Um, the museum opened. John, come on, you did it. You and your staff and your volunteers, there's a team, no doubt. This whole thing was pulled off by a team. Um, had the town rummage. Anybody sell your trash, I mean your treasure? Um, flipped it for a buck. A lot of work for a dollar, but you did it. Um, it was opening day for baseball and softball. There was a parade that went on. We had multiple um, police departments, fire departments that led this. The Kind of the town just showed up for this one. People lining Main Street as kids drove by. We had a, uh, um, a time where we honored uh, Hall of Fame, um, former uh, Hall of Fame people that served in our Little League. Um, Max Hurt was one that was honored to be inducted into uh, the Fairmount Little League Hall of Fame. Capped it last night with the Madison Grant Prom. Um, that was going on, and uh, Morris had that going on at Bliss Barn. Um, man, there was, I think, almost 200 teenagers that came out to, uh, to dance the night away. Um, and uh, just a lot of things going on. And then whatever you also do in your personal lives, right? So there was a lot that was happening. Um, but I'll tell you, it just felt like, you know, this Mayberry Hallmark moment. Um, and we kind of usually save those moments for Christmas around here, but we uh, snuck one in in the spring, and it was an absolute blast. I want to say how fun it is to be a part of a larger community when I'm talking as far as the, the community, the Madison Grant community, that there's so much focus turned on giving back and serving. And specifically to this community of Fairmount Friends, because when I look at those that were at prom last night serving, there's people here in our church that was there making it happen. When I look at who was the ones that's directing traffic, Officer Dollar standing right in the middle of it all, and, and uh, that's leading the parades, um, we've got so many people right here from Fairmount Friends. When I see who is leading the uh, Madison Grant Youth Sports League board, the majority of the board are right here come to our church. Um, when I see those that, are, that have the intention of giving back, that are leading businesses, even as you look down Main Street, see the pain sitting out there, we got people that are saying, this is my town, I'm investing here, and I've been, been planted here, I'm gonna grow and blossom here, and I love it. It's so cool to see the ownership that we have from this church to give back to our community. It also was fun to see some farmers turning up dust this week and uh, getting back in the fields. Man, that was pretty cool. And so there was just so much, I don't know, joy and maybe even some pride in my heart saying, this is my hometown, man, we are shining. It was a joy to be a part of. This morning, we're going to continue on a message that I actually kicked off, gee whiz, it's almost been maybe a month, um, or at least the first part of 
April. And in between there, Andrew preached a couple, and we also had the Pasminos family that came and spoke. And I want to get back to this because I think that God's not done, and he's got a little bit more to say on this. But we were talking about having dreams and purposes and passions and, and, and motivations inside of our hearts. And I want to show you a video clip of a young boy that's talking about the dream that he has inside of him. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I, you know what I meant. You ever had a dream or a purpose and passion, you felt like you could do anything, right, is what he's saying. It's this line from Hercules, you know, you ever felt like you could do anything and there's this passion inside of you. And I think that we all probably felt that at some point. And then maybe we, as we began to launch out of the land of familiar, perhaps we kind of stumbled into some giants that were in the land and we're like, oh, I don't know if I want to fight these bad guys. I don't know if I want to engage in that. Or maybe I tried and I've just kind of, it didn't work and now I'm older. I just kind of aged out of the system or something. You know, we think of these things, why maybe continuing to have dreams and purposes and passions, you know, I can eliminate myself from this conversation. And I want to encourage you that this is a conversation for every single person here. And I would say completely to the finish line, we've got to have vision inside of us. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no purpose, passion that's burning inside of the heart of a man or a woman. They just kind of meander about. They don't fully execute the life that God would have them live. And then we end up living kind of these wasted, squandered lives, or at least seasons of our lives, where there's not kind of some of that jet fuel that's burning bright inside of us to where we are on the move. This book that I've referenced from last time, The Dream Giver. In this book, The Dream Giver, Bruce Wilkinson tells the story of this nobody whose name is ordinary. And nobody, this nobody who, whose name is ordinary lives in the land of familiar. And every day is the same day. And it's Groundhog's Day, and he wakes up, and it's the same old, same old. And he goes to his usual job, and he gives his good enough energy to try to make it through one more day. So that hopefully on the back end of that, he can sit on his couch and watch the picture box. And that's what he does for about, I don't know, let's say 40 years and calls it a career, right? And all of a sudden one day as he's going to bed, there's a feather in the windowsill. And he says, what's this feather all about and someone comes in and he begins to pin in this journal and tells him that I'm the dream giver and I'm giving you this great and epic dream and as he begins to read in this journal he knows that he's being invited into more than just the casual usual nominal boring predictable everyday life he's saying come on there's more and there's this whisper in his soul that's like pulling him forward. And he says, this is the day. I'm going to do it, mom and dad. Aren't you excited? Aren't you fired up for me? Uh, I don't know, ordinary. I would, I would be careful. We tried that once. Man, I can't wait to tell my best friend. Hey, best friend, and that's his name, best friend. I'm going to go pursue this great dream. Aren't you excited for me? I would be cautious, ordinary. 
I don't know if you should go do this. And people continue to rain on his parade. But he musters up enough strength and courage, and he says, best friend, here's my couch, and here's my picture box. I don't need it anymore. You have fun wasting away. I've got to get to it. And as he begins to leave the land of familiar, he's exiting his little town called Comfort Zone. And as he engages into the next border, he comes and meets some border bullies. These are the giants of the land that want to squash the dream. And it's things like critics. It's things like lack of education or training. It's excuses. It's things like, I don't have enough. I, I, don't, I lack resources. I'm not smart enough. It's, it's, I would rather be safe and secure than really go all in. And ordinary just continue to take shot after shot after shot. But eventually he says, I know that there's something deep that's calling out to me that I've got to power through and I got to fight through. If you look in your bulletins this morning, there's this little half sheet inside there, and there's some giants that maybe you've had to face at one time or another. Maybe there's some border bullies that are pushing back on this thing that you're saying, oh, if I could just do this, or if I could just be this, or if I could get this back in my family, man, I just feel like I would, life would just come fully alive for me. But here's some things that keep pressing us back time and time again. I believe that for many out there today, we have, there's probably some people with an insatiable appetite, with a desire to truly live a life that's worth people peeking in on. It's worth writing about. Or can I even just say this? It's worth living. And perhaps we've had some times where you look back on that time, you're like, man, that time wasn't even worth living. And hopefully that time, over the course of a long time, which is your life, you wouldn't look back and say, man, that just wasn't even worth living. But that there's a great story that Jesus is saying, come on, baby, I want to give you some vision. I want to bring some life to you because there is more that I've got in store for you. And I would say this, there's two Ps that probably that vision is connected to. The first one has got to be people. I know that, you're, that it's got to have an impact for people. And the second one is to produce. Our dream should not just be, I just want to sit back and consume. I have a dream where I just kick my feet up and you just serve me pina coladas all day. And that's my dream. And I live on the beach and everybody just serves me. That's not a, that's not a dream. That's, that's a pipe dream, right? That's wishing and hoping. That's, you know, that's not going to happen. Here's what the dream is. Jesus says, I want to put something in you. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And whenever I come, I bring life to the full, fully alive. I didn't come for, for the healthy. I came for the sick. The reason that I show up, the purpose that I have, why I am here is for people, Jesus would say. And so I believe that it needs to be about production, something that you do with your hands, man. Maybe you get that dream, you get that idea, you get that invention. Maybe it has something to do with impacting the lives of people around you. Maybe you long to live in a manner that's just worthy of the calling of God. You live in a way that's, you can actually live in a way so grateful to the Lord and giving back and serving to others and taking all the witty ideas that you have and executing them. It actually is worship back to the Lord. I believe that worship is not at 10.30 on Sunday mornings. I believe that worship is Monday at 8 and 9 and Tuesday at 2 and Wednesday at 
five, right? It's all day, every day, and how we live these lives back to the Lord. And so as he begins to engage in these giants, and I'll tell you, any dreamer knows that that road to the future is clogged with border bullies and giants that he wants to power through. One of them that I listed there is called the wall of fear. We do this with our kids a lot. And whenever they're getting jammed up and, that, and I'm telling them, come on, there's more. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's you know, maybe it, jump off the diving board. It's, it's do a flip on the trampoline. It's whatever their, you know, little, wherever their vision is right now. We want to, to do this to power through. Uh, for Judah, he wanted to, uh, to run for student council. But you got to give a speech. And he didn't want to give a speech. I just like, want to show up and have it handed to me. I don't want to actually do something, right? And I'll tell you this. Some people think, well, I have a dream and I'm entitled to my dream. No! Just because you have a dream doesn't mean that you're entitled to it. It means it's going to require sweat and work and blood and tears and rejection and then getting back up again and doing it again, right? And so I'm working with Judah, and so we sit down, and so we got the audience. And so we're all, you know, Nora's sitting there and Ronnie and me and Alyssa, and so Judah's got to stand up there, and we're putting this speech together. And he's like, I don't think I want to do this. And I said, Judah, right here is this wall, and you're on this side, and this is the wall of fear. And you just keep running into it, you keep running into it, and it keeps you locked in right here. But if you can climb over that wall, whoa, there's an amazing life out here. It's going to be awesome. You're going to know how to do flips, and you're going to do all this stuff. But and you live right here, and you won't do it, and you won't do it, and you won't do it. And sometimes, maybe for some of you, it's the wall of fear, and you're like, I just don't, I don't want to take the risk. I, I, just playing the script is nice and safe and secure, and I'd rather do that. So he did it. He powered through. He gave a speech. He made student counsel. There's like some big wins for him. But to realize I've got to put myself out there and I've got to decide to power through those things that want to keep me back. So ordinary knew if he could power through these walls of fear, he truly would be free. If you got your Bibles, flip with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is one of the most well-known stories in all of Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. And there, if there ever was a giant that we see, oh, I see D Deckers back there. What's up, guys? So good to see you. Lucy, just laughing. I love it. Just laughing. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to start here in verse 4. Starting in verse 4, it says, There's a champion named Goliath who was from Gath who came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield shield bearer went ahead of him. Here's what's fascinating about this passage of Scripture. I wonder why the Bible went to such lengths to put all the scary things in there about Goliath. Like, let's in detail tell you how fierce this guy is. I want everybody to know for all of eternity how big and bad of a mamma jamma this guy was. 
Because if you're going to go to the promised land, you've got to power through this Goliath. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come and line up for battle? I, I've been a part of, of, some, of some basketball games like out, on, out of the park. And the trash talk picks up pretty quick. And it's like, why do you all even show up? Right? Why, why are you even here? Do I have to waste my time on this? And here's this Philistine who's saying, why are y'all even lined up? This is embarrassing, is what he's saying. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down to me. And if he is able, if he thinks he can, if he is able to, to come and fight and kill me, then we will become your subjects. And I'll tell you, that is true. When you can power through that wall of fear and through those giants in the land, those things that used to scare you begin to serve you. And what I mean is those platforms that you once were scared of now become the platforms that you preach from. But if I overcome him, your subjects, and I, over, uh, and I kill you, you will become our subjects. Perhaps you've felt like that, where you have gone against a Goliath, and now you're just subjected. I, I tried this, or you know what, I'm, I, somebody hurt or abused me, and now I'm forever underneath that cloud of shame. I just cower. Maybe you had a bad experience, and, and you did something, and you were going to go on some great epic adventure, and it was going to be awesome, and it was just way too scary. Maybe you even got hurt, just practically. It just, it just hurt, right? I don't want to play football anymore. That hurts. And so you stay away because it's just painful or it's scary or what are those things that just, it just locked you up to where you know in that area, I know I'm not free. I'm not totally free because of past experience, something locked inside of me. It goes on in verse 10. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy you, the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed, and they were terrified. One of the big giants in the land that can be that can jam us up from saying, man, I really want to do this. Maybe for some of you, I got a dream. I want to write a book. I think I got a book in me, maybe a couple. One of the things I don't enjoy about writing a book is I don't enjoy writing. <laughs> That's a problem. Um, writing is just hard. Hemingway said, actually, he said, writing is easy. You just sit down and bleed, right? It takes your guts, if it's going to be any good, to, to pour it out. But you know what? Maybe that's the thing that's locked up inside of me. Maybe you want to write something. But somewhere along the line, somebody critiqued you and said, eh, that wasn't, that wasn't very good. Maybe you want to sing. You're like, oh, I would just love to sing. I want to be Tracy. How does she have the courage to get up there and do that? I just, I just want to do it. But somebody critiqued me, and they graded my paper a little too harsh, and now I can't power through that. She stands up here and, and lets it go with tears coming down her eyes at the end. Oh, I loved it. It was worship unto the Lord. What are the things inside of your heart? Like, oh, I so wish I want to do that. And if I was free, if Jesus would just set me free. And we're going to pray that. Maybe he'll just sovereignly, supernaturally just come and just set you free. Just lift all that off of you. But I also know that many times freedom is just obedience. And it's the next step. And it's doing it scared. 
and it's doing it afraid. Or maybe it's doing it humbly and saying, you know what, this business idea that I have, I can't do it by myself. And so I need to rally around some partners and some people that I can do this thing together. And together, maybe we can go and power through. Who knows what it is? One of the books that I'm going to read through a little bit later is Tim Tebow's book. Tim Tebow has written three books. You know how many, Tim, how many books Tim Tebow has written? Zero. Tim Tebow is not sitting down at his computer or a pencil typing them out. He has people, right? You, maybe you just rally around people. It says Tim Tebow. And then really small here, with A.J. Gregory. A.J. Gregory is on every single New York Times bestseller. Maybe you need somebody else to jump in and help pull it off. I don't know what it is. But we've got to start powering through these things because I know that we're on, we're on a, an uptick, on a crescendo, what's happening in our church and what's happening in our community. And we are going to skyrocket when everybody starts tapping into their purposes and passions. When you deploy the giftings of God that he's put inside of you and the resources. Maybe, maybe like, I don't have a ton of ideas, but I, got, I, got, I can fund them. I got some finances that we can fund these things. And maybe that's my part of the team. Who knows what it is? But this thing can really take off. Look what happens to Moses in Exodus chapter 4. It says that Moses, God at the burning bush, says, Moses, you're going to leave my people. Moses responds, what if they do not believe me? And what if they won't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? How many of you know it's a lot easier to pursue your dream when the critics are quiet and the tribe is loud that's for you? Sometimes it's just auditing the friends that are around you. And it's those same old, same old voices. And it's like, Mom, I love you, but Mom, you just can't speak into me anymore. Dad, I appreciate that, but I got to power through because there's some things inside of me. Hey, best friend, I know that you're, you're trying to like, believe the best in me, but you're actually holding me back. And we've got to audit the voices that we're listening to. So there's always giants. It's not going to be easy. And just because we have a dream doesn't mean we're entitled to it. Here's a cool story about airplanes and eagles. Airplanes and eagles are built pretty similarly. I think that that's why they probably want to build jets that look like an eagle because the eagle figured it out. It's in him. It's his natural purpose and passion. Eagles are those that actually fly into the wind because they are the bird that's created to rise above the wind. And it's hard to go above something if you're not going against something. It's the same thing is true, the principle of, without getting into the deep things of aeronautics, why planes fly into the wind instead of flying with the wind at their back. How many of y'all say, man, life would just be easy if the wind was at my back? I'll tell you, it is a lot easier riding a bicycle going downhill with the wind at your back. I Tell me, I love that stuff. Woo, that is great. I love it. I'll do that. Like, hey, like they just take me back up to the top of the hill and I'll get my miles in just doing that. But I'll tell you, 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 you ascend the crescendo happens when the wind hits and the aeronaut, they, they send you upward. And the eagle is the only one that can rise above the storm and look down from a totally different perspective. Eagles were bred for that. And I just want to say that we are not chickens. You don't rise above the storm being a chicken. And a chicken lives with their head down going like this. Pecking at the seed, looking at their toes, navel gazing. It's about me, it's about my little deal. And I'll tell you, if life is lived like this, you are playing way too small. 
because life is this and there's so much more. And you know what? It is hard. And having the wind constantly in your face. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Actually, takeoff for an airplane is much faster going into the wind and it's actually faster landing going against the wind. It helps, it shortens the distance. And maybe you're ducking and dodging all of these winds and it's only elongated. It's only put you farther from destination. I don't want to face these giants. I don't want to go against the wind. It makes it longer to actually get there until I can just go after it. I'm just going to get up there. I'm going to stand in that batter's box. Here we go. I'm going to take a swing rather than just sliding down the bench. Hey, you're up next. Hey, you're up next. Hey, you're up next. Hey, you're up next. And you're thinking you're going to get a home run. And it just isn't going to happen. Maybe you've got just a personal vision for your personal health. Maybe that's what it is. And you know what? I'm going to start after the holiday. I'll, I'll start next week. I'll start after this bowl of ice cream. Hey, you know what? We need to celebrate. We need, you know, something great just happened. Let's go celebrate, you know, and let's just eat. And then, and then after we're done eating, you know, or, or even during, let's just go out to eat and talk about it. Let's just talk about how we're not going to eat bad anymore. Let's have a, over a bowl of ice cream, hopefully, right? And we put it off, we put it off, we put it off. And then we're just hopeful, thinking and wishing and hoping and praying that it's ever going to happen. And there's no practical footprints getting after the thing that you really want and you know you want it you've wanted it for decades you've wanted whatever that thing is maybe there's a purchase and you just won't save for it you won't intentionally carve out the discipline to say this is what I what I want to get after I don't know what they are maybe it's the reconciliation of family and you need to lead with asking for forgiveness But you know what? We're not going to lead our families like chickens. We're going to go right into the wind and the storms and say, you know what? I need to address the situation. I need to have this conversation. And I just can't keep dipping and dodging and, and just kind of, you know, I got to go for it. And I want restoration with my son and with my daughter. I want to go get their hearts. And I got to run into the storm. We run to the battle to where we can win the battle so much quicker that way. Brian Tracy says this about when we try to just live in our comfort zones all the time. He says the comfort zone is one of the greatest enemies of human potential. When people get into a comfort zone, they strive to stay in that comfort zone. You actually are striving. You're doing everything you can to stay comfortable. You need the courage to continually move yourself in the direction of your biggest goals and ambitions. You need to willingly uh, to be willing to face discomfort in order for you to grow. One of the things that I read about in, the, in Tebow's book, he says, he says whenever he's playing minor league baseball, he goes, I, I know what it's like to work out at the highest of levels, be it, playing in the NFL. And then I'm working out with guys that are AAA baseball players. And he goes, they're all sitting around playing video games, riding on a bus, you know, eating, you know, Taco Bell and, you know, Slurpees and you know whatever and just you know they're all 28 years old having the time of their life and Tebow's like I got ambition to go somewhere and so he chews into his team saying if this is who you want to be this is who you're always going to be all right don't expect a different result that's you're insane but if you want to power through and he goes I just made the decision that I'm always going to live sore <laughs> I just live sore 
He goes, these guys, they, you know, they would get in there and do a couple curls. He goes, I'm doing power squats at midnight when they're all in bed. Serious, you got to live sore. What are those things that you're saying, I don't want to be uncomfortable, then you're never going to get it. But I want to power through, to, I want to lay a hold of all of that to which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me. And I'm just not talking about you just, you know, losing a bunch of weight and getting a six-pack. Please, it's way bigger than that. I'm talking about restoring our community. I'm talking about seeing a lift. Maybe you've got a vision where you want to put in uh, condos or you want to put in like uh, some senior livings here. And you're thinking, man, I've got a vision for this thing. And I need some, some funding and I need some builders and we need to sell this. And Right? You've got something inside of you. It might be some uncomfortable things. You might have to hold back on your personal to be able to get whatever those things are. But this is just who we are. As men and women of God, we fly into the wind, we live uncomfortable, we don't cater and cotter to comfort zones, right? We've got to power through that stuff. You're not going to read a, a scripture in all of the Bible where people lived comfortable when they became more like Christ. You're not going to read a scripture where people were just kind of sitting back, playing it safe, and all of a sudden they showed up looking like Jesus. The way of Jesus is tough. And it's hard. And to become everything that he's called us to do, we've got to pick up our cross. We've got to deny ourselves. And we've got to follow him daily is what we're called to. Maybe for some, you're looking at the end of life and you're thinking, man, I'm just kind of slowing down. Brock, you got a little too much energy this morning. Can you just be a little quieter on this thing? I'm slowing down. You ever notice those times in a, let's just take a basketball game for example, whenever everything is going right and every pass is crisp and they catch it and you're reading each other and you're shooting it, you're, it's like throwing it in the ocean, it's so easy. You're all this stuff and you've got, you were playing with five but now you're playing with six and that six player is called momentum. And when you've got momentum, you as a coach you're like, I know my guys are tired and they're gassed and I should probably call a timeout but no way, we've got momentum. And you, you, you fight all night to get that big mo. And once you got mo at, 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 on your team, man, life is just good. And sometimes if there's a timeout called, usually the opposing coach, the opposition, wants to pump the brakes on what's happening. And if they can pump the brakes, quiet the crowd, quiet all that, that flow that you're in, they can, they can jam you up. Possibly you've pumped the brakes because I retired. Because I'm, I'm just tired I've, I've pumped the brakes, and the, and the big mo is not moving anymore. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest, and I want to encourage you, man, not just work as far as a J-O-B, but work for the purpose that God has put in you as long as you can. Because if you pump the brakes, you lose something, and it's hard to get back into it. I don't have to, to preach on that too much, because some of you already feel it. You're like, I know, I know. I love seeing my grandparents here. I, I swung by Granny's, what I see you on Wednesday, came by the house on Wednesday. She's like, oh my gosh, I just got back, and I was serving meals in Upland, and we made, uh, bis uh, not biscuits and gravy, I got that on my mind, chicken and noodles, and we made this, and we were serving, all these families are showing up, and she's serving, 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 that's all she does in her, in her town of, of Upland. Gra Grandma and, uh, Granny and Grandpa uh, were the grand marshals of the parade a few years ago. They were honored and recognized in front of the whole town for how much they give back. Grandpa just stopped working, sold his insurance company, what, last year, two years ago? All right, 87 years old. Not letting go, man. Grass is not going to grow underneath his feet. He's moving. He's going for it. I actually want to read this thing to you. Victor uh, 
Frankel, the Holocaust survivor. Perhaps you've heard of this guy. He went on to become this neurologist and an author. He wrote many books. His best-selling book was Man's Search for Meaning. In his book, Frankel uh, describes the daily experiences and observations while a prisoner in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. There, he developed his belief about what, uh, about what can sustain the desire to live even under the most inhumane and desperate circumstances. Frankel observed that those inmates who had a sense of purpose were more likely to survive the degrading conditions of the camp. While the rigors of aging in no way compare to life in a concentration camp, they have in common the need to find meaningful goals when life gets rough. This is the personification. This is the lived out version of without vision you perish. And when they were in these concentration camps and they had no hope for tomorrow, no purpose, no passion, nothing to look forward to, people started dying off. And he said, but there was a group of us that we would talk about the future. And when we get out of here, and he goes, I was writing books in there. And he goes, I can't wait to sell my books. And he had vision that literally kept him alive. I'll tell you, is it possible that without a a vision and without a purpose, we could possibly start dying off? I want to read this section to you and hopefully give a vision to some people, you're thinking, I don't know what to do. And I would just probably say, just loving on people is a great option. Check this out. I think about Sarah Borders. In 2009, this eight-year-old was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Is that right? Ewing sarcoma. For the next seven years, Sarah fought against this giant of cancer. She battled with more than just the physical weapons of chemotherapy, radiation, and multiple surgeries. She also fought with resilience. In the beginning of 2016, the disease progressed to the point that doctors could no longer treat it. They had no hope to offer outside of giving her an oxygen tank so that she could breathe and meds to make her comfortable. There was nothing they could do. Sarah was put on hospice, but this girl was a fighter. And as her mom put it, as her mom, Missy, put it, she still had a lot of living left to do. Sarah wasn't ready to give up. There was something she really wanted to do before it was time for her to go home to be with Jesus. Sarah was looking forward to attending a night to shine prom. She wanted to dance. She wanted to feel beautiful. She wanted to feel like a princess. Even if it was just for one last time, She asked a special friend, Matthew, to be her date to this prom. So Sarah gritted her teeth and fought with everything she had. She told her mom every day, I have to go tonight to shine prom. I have to. On Monday, February 8th, 2016, a day after her 16th birthday and four days before night to shine, Sarah took a turn for the worse. The hospice nurse estimated she had six to eight hours left to live. She gently suggested to Missy that family and friends come and say their goodbyes. So Sarah slept the rest of the day. She slept all day Tuesday. By Wednesday, she was still sleeping. Then, a miracle. On Thursday evening, the day before night to shine, Sarah woke up. I'm going downstairs, she announced. I have to get ready for prom. Sarah's family was in shock. They couldn't believe what they were seeing and hearing. 
This was the same girl who was given a death sentence, the same girl who had been sleeping for the past three days, the girl who was too weak to leave her bed for two weeks. Imagine the shock when Sarah, helped by her family and her pastor, walked downstairs and then sat in a wheelchair for 45 minutes. Missy believed this was Sarah's trial run for a night to shine. The morning of prom, Sarah woke up with a pep in her step. Mama, we've got to hurry. I've got to get ready. Missy was thrilled, yet cautious. Honey, are you sure this is a good idea? Yes, Mama, let's go. I need to get my nails done. So Sarah began to prepare for night to shine. She got a manicure, a pedicure with her friend, a nurse's daughter who happened to be a makeup artist in, our town that, uh, in the town that day, came over and offered her cosmetic services. As Sarah rested in her bed, she was beautiful. Hair, makeup, the works. Afterward, Missy and her mother helped Sarah slip into her favorite dress. It was bright pink, adorned with sparkles and layers of delicate ruffles. The final touches, Sarah placed her pink glittery hat on top of her bald head. She was all smiles, glowing. Her mom wasn't sure her daughter would be well enough to stay at the prom the entire time, but she hoped for the best. This was Sarah's night. When Sarah and Matthew pulled up to the red carpet at a church in Cedartown, Georgia, Sarah refused to be helped out of the car by a volunteer who hustled toward when she arrived. She wanted Matthew to do it. It was their first date, after all. Sarah beamed while Matthew rolled, down the, rolled her down the red carpet as the crowd of people lined the sides, and then they clapped and they cheered. The first thing on Sarah's mind, the minute she entered the decked-out ballroom, was chocolate. Take me to the fondue station, please, she told Matthew. She hadn't eaten in the last four days. But that night, she was going to have her fill of chocolate. Later, she headed to the karaoke room and belted out Martina McBride's This One's for the Girls. From the corner of the ballroom, with tears in her eyes, Missy watched her daughter sing, then dance. And oh, did she dance. And not just in her wheelchair, this radiant princess stood up and on her own two feet, twirled in her beautiful pink dress all over the dance floor. On the ride home, happy but exhausted, Sarah whispered to her grandmother, this was the best night of my life. This is a dream come true. I'm no, I know I'm living on, borderline, uh, on borrowed time, but this was worth everything. Before she drifted off to sleep that night, Sarah told her mom, I'm not scared of dying, mama. I know who Jesus is. The next morning, Sarah's house was filled with family and friends and people from church. They all heard about the miracle. Forming a prayer and prayer, praise chain, they stood in a long line that stretched from right outside of the door uh, to the front of the driveway. All of her friends asked Sarah what she wanted to do the next day. Sarah looked at her and smiled. I won't be here tomorrow. I had a dream, and I saw Jesus' face. You might think I'm crazy, but I'm going home tomorrow on Valentine's Day. The next day, February 14th, she asked her mom to invite different people into her room. She first called for her brother Richard and her grandmother. She loved on them. Then Sarah made a list of people that she wanted to give little gifts to. A few hours passed. She was getting more and more tired. Before the night was over, 
on that Valentine's Day, Sarah went home to be with Jesus. And I have a feeling that she's dancing with him now. Many people today are fighting for their lives. Our world is full of hurting people who just want someone to come alongside them, help them face whatever giants stand in their way. They long for someone to say, I love you, I believe in you, and despite what your circumstances might look like now, God has a special plan for your life. God wants you to look around, find someone, and say, if this means holding a prom for you and buying a pink dress, I'll do it. If it means preparing a meal for you, I'll do it. If it means helping clean your house, I'll do it. If it means chopping down a tree, I'll do it. If it means cheering for you, I'll do it. If it means bringing you to church, I'll do it. Praying for you, I'll do it. Watching your kids, I'll do it. Holding your hand, I'll do it. Giving you a hug, I'll do it. Reminding you that you matter, I'll do it. If it means to not give up on you, I will do it. And when we stand with God and we stand with others and we fight the good fight of faith, instead of fear of the unknown, we will not be defeated and the giants will fall before us. You might be wondering, what is it that I possibly could do? And maybe it's cut someone's hair. Maybe it's put someone's makeup on. Maybe it's buy the dress for prom. I don't know what it is. As we stood at prom last night, and they go to announce the prom king and queen. They announce the prom king as Justin Moore. And you all may remember that last year ended in our community in a severe tragedy of the loss of Chloe Martin. And when they announced the prom queen, her class voted for her. Chloe Martin is your prom queen. It's caring about the hurting. It's looking at those that need help. It's saying, Jesus, here I am, and I have this window of time. Give me a vision to make my life count. How can I pour out everything that you've given me that I can lay a hold of all of that to which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me and to give my life back to lay it down? Come on, people. This, this window of time is closing. Your life is a vapor. It's here and it's gone, and we want to squeeze every single moment out of it that we possibly can. And it comes down to this, producing something that's going to better the lives of the people around you. This morning, you might be saying, Jesus, reignite that purpose and that passion in me. Jesus, I've just been laying dormant. I've been so comfortable. I do not want to get out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm too afraid. I'm too scared. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't want to apologize to that person. I don't want to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. I'm telling you, Jesus is asking you to deny yourself to pick up your cross, to get a vision for him, and to go all in to what he has called you to do. When we close in prayer this morning, I'm going to stand up here. And if anybody wants to come up and you're saying, man, just pray over me. Pray this purpose and this passion to come back inside of me. Please come down here. Meet me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray God would rekindle that and that we would make our lives count for him. Would you all stand with me as we close this morning? Jesus, we need you. We need an encounter, Lord. Jesus, these areas where we've, we just punch the time clock and we just do another day. Jesus, I pray that you would put such a distaste in our mouth for that sort of living. Jesus, I pray that we would be disgusted with that boring, casual approach. Jesus, I pray that you would put a fire in our bellies to make our lives matter and to make them count. 
Jesus, I pray that our eyes would be wide open to see the hurting, the damage, and the disease, and the dying, and the loss in front of us every day. Lord, I pray that you'd put a mission inside of our hearts. God, I pray that we'd be motivated every day. Jesus, do a work inside of this church and let our light so shine before men that they may see our deeds and praise our Father in heaven. We honor you and bless you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.